Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes where we look back at content from our earlier years, sometimes single stories, sometimes whole episodes. Keep in mind that years ago, people might have worded things differently than they would today. As always, the title of the whole series, Risk, is itself a content warning. This week, a story that Mindy Bilderback first shared on the podcast in August of 2014. Here's Mindy now with a story we call I and I. So I was sitting downtown outside at a bar in Denver, and I was there with some of my other Teach for America friends drinking my favorite summer drink, a gin and tonic. And when I stood up to go to the bathroom, a flood of exhaustion washed over me. I suddenly couldn't take a full breath. My body felt like I had just run a 5K. I was covered in sweat and my joints ached. And I thought, of course you're exhausted, Mindy. You just graduated college. You're starting a career teaching inner city at-risk youth in a middle school. You just moved to a new town. Maybe you're not used to the altitude in Denver. And you don't know anyone here and your roommate hates you. But I had experienced this exhaustion so many times that summer. By the time it was happening every day, I was used to it. I forgot that at age 22, it wasn't normal to have to stop and catch your breath halfway up one flight of stairs. I had grown up with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, so I was used to achy joints. I had been diagnosed when I was three, so I was used to hospitals and not feeling good. And I remember when I was about five asking my doctor, 
what's wrong with me? Why can't I snap snaps or do buttons or zip a zipper? And he explained to me that autoimmune disorders are when good parts of your body start attacking other good parts of your body, which translated into my five-year-old head as your own body hates you. <laughs> and from then on, I kind of hated it right back. And I tried not to rely on my body for anything. I never second-guessed treatments that might cause harm in a case that it would hurt something else. If it would make something better, I'd do it. So when I was diagnosed at age 22 with a pre-malignant thyroid tumor, my first response was to just cut it out. I'd be fine. But I didn't want to do that living in a city where I didn't know anyone. I certainly wasn't in shape to start teaching a classroom full of at-risk inner-city youth. So I tabled my teaching plans to move back home to Omaha, Nebraska, which is where I'm from originally. And honestly, I was relieved that I didn't have to be a teacher anymore. It's really depressing to assign homework to students who don't necessarily have a home. I was relieved to go back home to Omaha, Nebraska, where I could feel like myself again and be around my friends and not be the 80-year-old person staying at home all day watching Star Trek, which is exactly what I had been doing. But when I got back home, I learned that I didn't just have a thyroid tumor. I also had Graves' disease, which sounds really serious. And I was kind of freaked out when I heard Graves' disease. But my doctors reassured me that it's just another autoimmune disorder, and it'll be fine. It affects the thyroid, but it also affects the eyes. It makes the eyes bulge out. And I remember my doctor explaining to me that Graves' disease changes the muscles in the eyes and it causes them to inflame, which makes the eye compressed and it changes it from a sphere to an oval. And it affected my vision. I ended up having to get glasses. And by the time my eyes bulged out so far, I couldn't close them all the way. My doctors recommended that I tape my eyes shut while I sleep. <laughs> yeah, fucking right. I was, at that point, a single woman living in a basement. There's no way I'm going to sleep with my eyes shut. <laughs> no, taped shut, not shut, also. But I was pretty grateful. I did end up living in a family friend's basement. She offered it to me while I got back on my feet. I really didn't have anywhere else to go. I had nothing when I moved back from Denver. And it was a pretty big basement. It had like all carpeted, and there was a fireplace, and some old gym equipment, and a fish tank. And I thought like, okay, I can get back on my feet here. This will be fine. I also had a mountain of medical debt to deal with because when I had my surgery, I didn't have health insurance. So it was kind of rock bottom, but it wasn't that bad. And then one morning in February, I woke up really early before my alarm went off. I woke up with a jolt. It was still dark out. And I knew something was wrong. My eyes felt pretty dry, but one of them felt really dry. I'm one of those people who sleeps with their arms up, like for a pillow. I thought maybe I'd rub some dust in it. So I tried to blink. And I couldn't blink. Why the fuck couldn't I blink? Instinctively, I raised my hand up to my face, and I knew something was really wrong. My heart raced, my jaw dropped. In the palm of my hand was my left eyeball and my eyelids were closed behind it. So I thought, what the fuck you do when you're cupping your left <laughs> But I'm gonna think this out. I'm not gonna panic. I'm going to calm down. What do I do? I should find my phone. I should call someone. But I don't really know where my phone is, and I don't want to move my right eye for fear of what will happen to my left eye. 
And I was not going to get out of bed because I was terrified that I was going to trip. And at this point, the sensation started to register. To myself, to my, in my head, my eye felt really dry and it felt like it was just covered with sand. But to my hand, it felt like a squishy marshmallow. <laughs> and then, I think I touched my optic nerve. Which is when I just started screaming. <laughs> The mother of the family who lived upstairs ran down to the basement and she looks at me and without skipping a beat says, I think you need to go to the hospital. <laughs> I think we need to get you to the hospital. So she loads me up into the family's Dodge Grand Caravan and every bump we hit on the way was a nightmare. And I remember taking a peek in one of the rearview mirrors just real quick to see. And all I saw was a clown nose red ball where my eye should be. I looked like Mad-Eye Moody, but with real bad pink eye. <sighs> and I was too scared to talk on the way because I was afraid that if I opened my mouth, I would puke. So we get to the hospital and I got in right away. <laughs> they didn't question me. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, by then, I had already kind of made peace with the fact that, like, I was just not going to have that eye anymore. Like, that's what happened to parts of my face or my body that treat me wrong. Like, well, cut it out. I don't need you anymore. <laughs> and I don't remember a whole lot about the hospital experience, but I remember looking over and seeing the tools on the table, and they looked like dental tools. They were metal. And I remember thinking, like, see, eyeball, that's what you get. <laughs> Pokey dental tools. <laughs> But it all happened really fast. I, they gave me an anesthetic, they sorted my eyelids out, they washed or rinsed my eye and slapped a flesh-colored eye patch on it. And they didn't remove it. I got to keep my eye, it goes on to see another day. But... <laughs> Shortly afterwards, I had talked to my doctor, like, what, what happened? Please, please make me feel better about this. And she says, so, Mindy, when you sleep with your eyes open, they get really dry, but your eyelids stay kind of lubricated, which makes it sticky. And when you're dreaming, your eyes move, which kind of caused the eyelids to contract even more than they usually did. And the further they got pushed back, the further they got stuck. And so I was like, so basically, my dry eyeball made my eyelids sticky and stick back there. And she's like, yeah, that's basically what happens. And I was like, all right, how do, how do I know it won't happen again? And she's like, you don't. <laughs> Luckily, it's never happened again. It's only just that one time. And it's kind of gotten better since then. Like, my eyes don't bulge quite as much. I can sleep with them shut now, and that's pretty great. And I don't know if maybe it was a sign that my luck was changing or... What? It still just gives me an ego boost. The night after my eye came out, so that very night, I went to a bar with some of my friends, probably <laughs> drinking a gin and tonic, and I got laid that night. <laughs> and it was a hot guy, too. <laughs> That's my story. <laughs>
That's all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com. the champagne ready the nba finals are here welcome to the nba finals let's raise our glasses and our rings to the two phenomenal teams left standing here's the high stakes action to thrilling moments we can't miss and to crowning our next champion here's a toast to the nba finals the 2024 nba finals presented by youtube tv continue on abc